everyone, and welcome to another episode of Blastburn Radio Adventures. I'm Steven. I'm Tanner. I'm Celeste. And I'm Jacob. And we are back to play some Pokemons. Um, specifically, unlike in our, our normal content, our normal show, we are here to do some roleplay set within the Pokemon universe. Now, if you somehow missed the last episode of this show, maybe go back and listen to that one. It's got a lot of the the important framework for what we're going to be doing here. Uh, but just as kind of a quick reminder, we are going to be using a system called Powered by the Apocalypse for this game. Uh, we've used their Simple Worlds framework to kind of craft a Pokemon-themed system out of Powered by the Apocalypse, and that's what we're going to be using. I'm not going to spend a bunch of time deep diving into the particular rule set we're going to be using. I think it's going to be more fun and interesting just to kind of teach by doing there to, to show you how it works rather than telling you how it works. Uh, but there are some important words that you should probably know and understand just to be able to have a good reference point for what's happening in the action. For our stats for this system, we have a total of four that we'll be rolling with, uh, which include... Uh, Valor, Mystic, and Instinct. We got them, them Pokemon Go boys. Um, and specifically, they're all kind of hybrids of what you would expect normal RPG stats to be. Valor is a stat that you can expect our players to roll anytime that they are doing something that would require like physical show of strength or might. Uh, it's also going to be the stat that they will choose if they're doing something that is, well, valorous, if they're demonstrating extraordinary bravery or anything of that nature will be a Valor roll. For instinct, it, it is more of your your natural your guts um so anything that a lot of what would traditionally be dexterity in like a dungeons and dragons game so your uh, instinct to roll out of the way of harm your um ability to you know maybe pick a pocket in a way that that your target wouldn't necessarily realize would feel that what they're feeling is natural those would be instinct roles also your 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 gut intuition it would be instinct and so would things like maybe using your natural charm to charm someone would probably be an instinct role so instinct is your guts uh, and then mystic is your brains. So anything that would be uh, in, involved in knowledge or technology, uh, anything that would be mystical or magical in nature, because we have established we are playing in a Pokemon world where those are very real forces and not just stories. All of those would be things that you would roll Mystic for. Uh, now, our final stat in this game is one called Bond, and it's a special one in that it is a shared stat between a trainer and their Pokemon, and it represents kind of the the undefinable force of the strength of a trainer's connection to their Pokemon. So in our fiction, in our kayfabe, when Ash does something truly ridiculous, like KOing an Onyx with Thunderbolt because it's raining, he's drawing on his bond with his Pokemon, and that's allowing him to do those things. Bond is the only stat that is that can go down 
in our game. Uh, if you do things, if you command your Pokemon to do things that end very badly for that Pokemon, or just in general do things that hurt your relationship, you're going to take a very real penalty and a reduction of Bond there. Uh, Bond is also going to take the form of mechanics in the video games such as pokemon ami where you can you know through gaining this bond of trust with your pokemon they can do fantastic things like shrugging off status and living hits that should have ko'd them those types of things can be replicated in our game through bond so those are the four types of roles that you'll hear me call for from our players throughout the course of our gameplay are valor instinct mystic and bond and that's roughly what they are uh, in addition, it is important to note that our Pokemon have a rough class structure, what we're calling our archetypes. We're not going to dig too deep into what those are, but the, the short version is it's going to give them all access to skills that may be similar to Pokemon moves, but are inherently different, and they get access to them in a different way. There's not very many abilities that are accessed in this way, but it's important to know that they're there and that our player's Pokemon are inherently different in that way. All of their archetype abilities draw on Bond as their defining force because they're acting above what would normally be possible for that Pokemon, just kind of within a particular progression path. So that's how those things work. Uh, and I hope that it makes sense and I hope that it works for you guys as you're, you're following along. Okay, so... There's not really much to recap. All we did last week was was kind of sum up our, our characters and our Pokemon and the world that we're playing in. So I think it's probably better to just go ahead and, and jump into that world, jump into our gameplay. What do you guys think? Yeah, let's get started. Yep. Let's fucking do it. Okay. So our scene opens on Celadon City at dusk. Uh, the sun is beyond the horizon, though the last rays of daylight continue to struggle into view, casting the city in the deep purple of twilight. It's the witching hour when honest folks are seeking their dinner and their bed, and the more raucous or disreputable of Celadon are seeking a bar or setting about preparing for the night's business. Let's start with you, Tanner. What is Nick doing this evening at twilight? I'm probably actually headed home like nick is somebody who during the day is obviously he's he's casing joints right he's trying to pick what store he's gonna steal from at some point in the near future uh, and he's, he usually has to do that in the day you know going in taking a look at everything figuring out where the entrances and exits are you know you don't want to be doing that uh, at night when you might trip an alarm so i'm actually probably headed home and yeah, uh, I'm headed home from Uptown in my very nice clothes that are very not quite perfect and kind of distinguish me as not fitting in uh, in Uptown, which we talked about uh, last time. Okay. And and I imagine that as you get close to home, as you get down into the more familiar haunts of the lower class of Celadon, you might get some some good natured jeers from maybe some of your neighbors who see you in all of your your fancy finery and, and give you some elbows and some digs for for putting on airs and acting above yourself. Yeah, absolutely. But fuck those guys. <laughs> <laughs> so Nick does not have friends in the neighborhood is what you're telling me. I don't think that Nick's ever had a whole lot of friends. People who are rich spit on him because he was poor. And people who are who are real poor are all fighting for themselves. Because when you're fighting for scraps and you need to live, it's you or them. Okay. And what's, what's Sableye? What's Peridot doing? I always kind of picture Peridot as kind of follow, either hanging onto my shoulder or following along uh, kind of out of sight. Because she's a ghost. 
she only really pops up when we're we're actually doing the planning work or when we're pulling the heist or when we're home because we've already established that i'm technically not allowed to have a pokemon so gotta act somewhat discreetly okay very cool, very cool. So we'll say that you are on foot and you you make your way home right as the sun is well and truly setting and the moon is rising and the night is starting and you get to your your flat and you get to the front door and on that door you see a note and it has your name on it and it also has Peridot's. It's addressed to Nick and Peridot and it has... A very crudely, but distinguishable, very crudely drawn Baneri next to your names. Hey, Perry. It looks like uh, work's not done after all. Let's uh, let's get in and get changed and and head over to Luz. Okay. Jacob, what's, uh, what's Sakamoto doing this time of night? So, um, I imagine... As we're getting closer to dusk, would the bodega be sort of winding down its like its own stuff? Like it's, is it getting ready to close up for the night, or are we just sort of like winding down for the nighttime clientele? So, I mean, it's it's a bodega, it's a neighborhood grocery store, and as such, I don't think that Luz would be twenty four hours. I don't think that he would necessarily want to to draw that type of attention after dark in that particular neighborhood if that makes sense but i do think he's open late right to service the needs of the the neighborhood is full of laborers uh yeah. people who who are working all day and so i think that he would stay open fairly late so that people could get home and have their dinner and, and take care of their kids and then still come out and get the things that they need um so i would say at this point in the evening you're not closing, but you've definitely got your eye on the clock, if that's where you are, if you are on the clock. Yeah, so I would imagine I'm working at, at Lou's Bodega. I don't think I'm out on the on the store floor. I think, if anything, I'm in back moving around boxes and things, just kind of dicking around with Slugger. Like, I, I imagine him just sort of, like, trying to lift a box to show, like, you know, hey, I'm exercising, <laughs> I'm so freaking strong, and I'm like... Yeah, whatever. Let me move this fucking box over here. Okay, so then you're you're working in the back, and that's that's totally fine. You and Slugger continue to rearrange the stockroom. I imagine you're trying to accomplish something. Slugger's just fucking around, and in honesty, neither of you are actually doing anything of any real value for the business. But but Lou yeah. doesn't have anything better for you to do right now, so he's just like, whatever, stay out of my fucking way, kid. And More he lets or you less, <laughs> and I'm not even being completely productive in what I imagine is productivity. I imagine I'm moving some things around and then I get caught up in whatever Slugger's doing and I realize after a few minutes, I'm like, shit, I'm supposed to be moving this thing. Slugger, goddammit! <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Celeste, what is what, what do you imagine Annie is doing at this time of the evening? Uh, she'd probably be heading towards La Panilu's, Um Usually pickpocketing during the night is a lot more dangerous than during the day because there's less people. So she'd probably be heading there to fence what she does has gotten during the day. Okay. Okay, and and what what is uh, what is Satan doing? Satan, Satan, damn it, <laughs> jerk! <laughs> Pronounce my Satan. monkey's name right. <laughs> uh... Probably just following me, not super closely, and looking around and picking up random things that he finds interesting. Picking up rocks, stuffing them in his mouth like a stupid fucking monkey. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna go find those damp rocks. 
<laughs> he makes that. That's how they become damp. A-pops pick them up, <laughs> stick them in their mouth, and spit them out. And, and then he so, hands them to Pelippers. And so oh, Pelipper comes hate. along and goes, I could use that. Hold on, hold on. There's not enough space in my mouth. There's a baby in here. <laughs> if you were wondering when we recorded this, now you know. <laughs> Okay, so so Annie is making her way to the shop. Nick has been summoned, so he is as well. And and Sakamoto's already there. Um, so very good. So as you arrive, Nick, and as you arrive, Annie, I imagine that you get there at about the same time through kind of happenstance. You just happen to be arriving together. Um, do you, for the record, do your characters know each other? Do you imagine? Like, like, are you, do you have a professional or personal relationship already? Are you just kind of I, I, face and names basis, but that's all? Or are you strangers? I, I kind of feel like anybody who works in, in the kind of criminal ring in Saladon would probably know of me. Like I'm not, Nick isn't very like physically oriented. He's a planner. So I'm sure that, you know, what he's been doing, if he's been in any shady work is been like a consultant, you know, for, Hey, we're going to, you know, rip off this jewelry store. And he'd be like, yeah, no problem. Like I'll go, I'll go check it out and I'll tell you what you need to know. So if any of you guys do shady work, you probably have heard of me. You may not have met me. I, I think Nick kind of keep, keeps mostly to himself when he's not, you know, uh, working. Yeah, I can say for a definite, maybe Annie's heard of you, but knowing you would not not be a thing that she would ever do because she's way too low on the totem pole to even know anyone in that ring at all. So Sakamoto would try to be social. I don't think I, uh, he would have worked professionally with either of you two. But he has been looking into sort of, like, getting a brains to his brawn. So I've definitely heard enough about Nick and probably a little bit about Annie. I don't think, again, that I've worked with either of you professionally, but I've definitely tried to be like, oh, hey, you're you, right? You know, how's it going? And try to make small talk, regardless of how you guys would have responded. Okay, um, well, good. So as as you arrive, so then Nick, Annie, you kind of arrive at the shop together. I imagine, again, that you're familiar enough with each other to know a face and a name and to kind of know that you're the right sort of people, as it were, that, that you can, you know, trust on each other to kind of follow that thieves code of honor, snitches get stitches and all that. Um, so, you know, maybe you kind of give each other a smile and a nod and, and go on in and i imagine sakamoto that you're probably still in the back room probably still supposed to be working but you're probably peeking out and kind of paying attention to what's going on on the floor at about this time because as you two arrive you are well first of all as you two arrive in the vicinity of the shop you're immediately struck as you always are by just how bright lou's shop is Uh, on a street that at this time of the evening is primarily very dark and dim Lou's bodega is luminescent and it's visually loud. Uh, the exterior is extremely well lit with fluorescent streetlights and neon signing proclaiming that yes, the store is open and advertising popular brands such as, well, let's ask you guys, what are some popular brands in our Pokemon world that would be advertised at a convenience store or a neighborhood market? Snorlax's leftover cereal. Oh God. Uh, I, you got me on the spot. Now I'm trying to think. I'm sure that I could actually get you. I could get you a fucking list if I had enough time. Oh, Jigglypuff chewing gum. We gotta have that puff gum. <laughs> mm-hmm. Reese's Jigglypuffs. Oh, Reese's Jigglypuffs. Mm. 
All right, that puff gum though. I, I'm really liking the puff gum. <laughs> Every brand has to be a joke. Every single one of them. I will not have it any other so way. So I was thinking M and M and M and M's. Miltank's Moo Moo Milk Chocolate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. I like that. All right. Uh, I'm trying to think of a good Munchlax one. Oh, if you're gonna have a Munchlax, it's got to be a chip of some kind. Mm-hmm. Like. Like a, just a big bulky bag of chips with a fat Munchlax on the front, yes. shoving the chips in its mouth. Munchlaxos. Munchlaxos. Oh, jeez, that sounds awful. <laughs> the, the kids refer to them as munchies. When they, you got the munchies. Not only that, they're, they have the, uh, uh, what was it that uh, Diet Chips had? Oh, shit. They're made of the vines that he eats. Like, when he wakes up, he's going to eat, like, 10,000 pounds of vines. It's like it's in the Pokedex. They're made of those vines. They're, they're dried. <laughs> they're dried salted vine chips. Okay, so there are, there are neon signs in the windows of the bodega proclaiming Jigglypuff chewing gum and M&M and M&Ms and Munchlaxos, fine brand potato chips. Muncholes. 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 There you go. There we go. We've done it. We Much better. Nailed, there, nailed it in there. like five. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> now, It'll be one in post. Now, in addition to the blatant displays of capitalism that are the, the brand advertisements, the, the highlight of the neon display is the store's sign, which is a giant, gaudy neon monstrosity proudly proclaiming Lopany Lou's neighborhood grocery and deli to the world in bright neon pink and green. Uh, the effect is completed by one of those moving neon signs where it's basically two still images that, that fluctuate back and forth uh, of a giant neon Baneri moving between those two alternating images to blow kisses to the onlookers. Uh, <laughs> despite the gaudiness of the display, however, there's an air of, of immediately discernible quality to lose grocery. The proprietor clearly takes pride in his business, and that shows in the, the cleanliness and the upkeep of the establishment when compared to all of the neighbors around it. Um, now, as you approach, the automatic doors open and the door chimes brightly to announce your entry. As you enter, you hear the familiar voice of Lou, the owner, loud and clear and cheerful as he's clearly engaged in the story that he's telling. Yes, it's true, lads. The dastardly Team Rocket once made their home in this very building. Oh, don't let the trappings of my humble store fool you. It was a house of chance at the time and the vicious gangsters made their home within. Until young heroic Red rolled into town. And Lou is just hamming it up. He's throwing himself into telling this clearly well-worn tale for a rapt audience of three young men uh, wearing ball caps and backpacks with pokeballs on their belts or on their shoulder straps. They are clearly young trainers out exploring the region. Uh, as Lou talks, his partner, Angel the Baneri, a familiar face to all of you, is standing on the counter next to him, and she's miming his motions as he talks, going, Baneri, bun, bun, Baneri. And the young trainers are absolutely enthralled. Between the story that Lou is telling and the adorable Pokemon, they just can't take their eyes off of them. Uh, as they stand enraptured, Lou's other partner, Buttercup the Purloin, winds her way between their legs, purring and rubbing against them. Actually, go ahead and roll instinct for me. All three of us are just those two. Okay. All three, all three of you. Again, you're 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 eavesdropping from the back room. You're paying attention. Ten. Five. Uh, five. My instincts, I think, plus one. Yeah, I rolled a five. I'm sorry. What did you get, uh, Annie? Five. 
Five. Okay. So then, Nick, you and only you notice that as Buttercup is winding her way between their legs, her tail is dipping up into their pockets and coming back out with wallets. Um. <laughs> I, I, I'm just going to smile and watch. Now, as as Lou wraps up his story, he gives the young trainers a pat on the shoulder and sends them on their way, uh, shooting the three of you a grin and a wink behind their backs as they go. Uh, he shakes his head and he chuckles a little as he beckons you three closer and he turns the buttercup. Good job, sweetie. There's a puffin in it for you. On the counter behind him. Bun, bun, baniri! Back on the counter, you see the angriest looking baniri you have ever seen shaking her tiny fists at Lou. Oh, and for you, you great crab apple, who could forget our little prima donna? Now watch the shop, I gotta see to the young'uns. Angel kind of grumbles her assent, gives it a couple of another little bun buns, and, and she hops up by the cash register where the three of you already would know at this point, honestly, that there's a little bell there for her so that she can call for help from the human employees of the shop if there's a customer who needs assistance. Now, as as Angel kind of takes her place uh, and as Buttercup kind of just winds her way off into the aisles unseen to do her cat thing, you know, as cats do, uh, Lou ushers the, the three of you to follow him and he turns down an aisle. Now, for you three, for, for Nick, for Annie, and for Sakamoto, Lou recently gave you each a job. And this was kind of a big deal for you personally, even if not financially, because even though you've all been more or less kind of professional in your chosen paths of ne'er do wellness for for quite some time now, Lou has always regarded you as children. He's been very accommodating and he's worked for you and with you, but never as a peer. And so for Lou to have approached you and said, hey, I have a job that I want you to work, it felt like a big deal to you. Let's start with you, Sakamoto. What did Lou ask you to do? And and how did it go? Okay, well, I think what he wanted me to do was to um, to be a distraction, really. To be the loudmouth little shithead that I am. Near, actually, probably a rival bodega somewhere around here, just to cause a scene so that people would be distracted for long enough while something's going on, and then to run as fast and as hard as I possibly freaking could. So, you know, that I, you know, could be safe, because he wasn't going to put me in any fucking danger. And, yeah, so that I could actually get something done. And, And how did it go? Um, I, w- I would say it would, would have been a mixed success. Uh, I wasn't quite loud enough to draw anybody's attention or be useful, but I got away without w- without a scratch on me. So overall, it's maybe a little bit more than he was expecting. Like, even if I'd have failed, it wouldn't have been the end of the world. So he's like, oh, you came out and you didn't fuck it up. Good for you. Okay, fair, fair. Annie, what job did Lou give you? To be honest, Lou probably does not have much that he'd want Annie doing out in the streets on his behest other other than maybe being a lookout for other people. So he more than likely just gave her a job to basically be a lookout while other people did what they needed to do so they wouldn't get caught. Okay, and how, how'd that go? Um, I'd say it went okay. I mean, she just stood there and waited and nothing really happened. Okay. Uh, what about Nick? What what job did Lou give to Nick? Uh, Lou asked Nick to consult for a group of thieves pulling a heist out of Saffron City. They needed 
somebody who is familiar with security systems that are in most jewelry stores commonly. And this all would have been done via like DEX communication because I'm over in Celadon and it's hard to travel. But yeah, I, and I would say that went pretty well. I mean, jewelry stores are Nick's like primary target because he's got to feed Paradot on a regular basis. Okay. Very good. Very good. Okay. So the three of you follow Nick down the aisle. That includes you, Sakamoto. He knew that you were watching and he's, you know, yeah, come on, you two. You're, you're coming with us. Do I need to like put down my apron? I don't, I don't fucking know, kid. Do what you want. Just come on. I guess I take off my like uniform apron that like all bodega workers wear now. It's canon. <laughs> <laughs> Set it down somewhere. The shared uniform that all employees of this very small business wear. Okay. <laughs> Basically. Okay. Um, so, so Lou kind of hand waves you to follow him. And as he does, he, he kind of grumbles a little bit like the, the happy veneer slips just a little. He, he's clearly a little bit perturbed. And, and, you know, he kind of shakes his head and he goes, I, I, I shouldn't take from the youngins, especially not here. That, that can be traced back to us. And I know that, but it, it drives me crazy. It drives me nuts that, that they see the world as so black and white, that, that red is this great heroic figure. And, and that there has never been a crook who's done an ounce of good in their whole life. That Giovanni was this big, bad boogeyman from their stories and never mind everything that he and the rockets did for, for us and ours here, here in Celadon. And they come into my business and they expect me to tell them all about how we lost the best thing we ever had coming to us. It, it grinds me kids. I can't, I can't just take it. I can't do it. I roll my eyes. I imagine it's been like the 10th time yeah, I've the, heard the, this, this For week. none of you, this is the first time you've heard this particular tangent. But Lou seems a little bit more... It's a little bit more personal to him tonight than it normally is, for whatever reason. So Nick goes, uh, hey, hey, Lou, like, I just gone home. Can I have a chair of the ice? Like, and I kind of point to the slush machine. Yeah. I tell you what, hold on. Hold, you might change your order. Uh, okay. <laughs> and he finger waves you and he continues to walk back through the store. And and he keeps up kind of a steady chatter as he goes. And he starts to get the spring back in his step. And he says, you know, you three, I, I asked you here tonight. Well, I didn't ask you, Sakamoto. You were already fucking here. But I asked you three here tonight because you've done good by me. At, at least decent good, which is about all you can ask, quite frankly. And I have, I have a little surprise for you. And he takes you to the back, back by, I'd say back by where the milk coolers probably are now in the bodega as it stands. You, you know, if there's one thing that's true of grocery stores, great and small, they put the milk way in the fucking back. So you have to walk through the whole store to get it. Um, so there's <laughs> a big cardboard cutout milk tank right next to a big cooler full of Moo Moo milk. And next to, next to that cooler is a poster. And this poster is ancient. It is decrepit. It looks like if you breathe on it wrong, it is going to dissolve into dust. And it advertises the penny slots from the Celadon game corner, which immediately dates this to you because there has not been an open Celadon game corner in at least 15 years. And Lou says, I've got a little treat for you. 
you're not kids no more. You're, you're men and women grown or mostly so. And you've shown it to me. So I'm going to treat you like men and women grown. And Sakamoto, you in particular, you know what this means. And you're very, very excited because you've been here once before and you got about as thorough of a thrashing as Lou has ever given you for touching this. I see. Oh shit, for real? <laughs> yeah, yeah, calm down. And dude, Slugger, get over here. Lou Lou reaches behind the poster and you hear a click and a part of the wall right next to where that poster stands turns and there's a stairway. Ah, oh, dope. And Lou says, didn't you ever wonder why I bought this particular plot of land? Well, I, I honestly figured you needed to sell some groceries. And, I mean, things are real expensive uptown. I know that real good. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Welcome to the corner. And as you step inside, the wall slides back. And you can actually see that even here in the stairwell, there are little, like, intercom speakers evenly spaced. And roll roll a mystic for me, actually, really quick. Oh, yay. Wow. Uh, Twelve. I think Six. I got a... Mystic? Yeah, mystic. Eight. Okay. So, Sakamoto, you intuit that these speakers probably have something to do with the operation of the bodega of the genuine front of this business. Annie, you immediately put two and two together and realize that they are almost certainly connected to that bell that angel has up front to ring for help. So that even if the staff is not upstairs, as it were, they can hear and, and get there quickly. Nick, you don't know what the fuck's going on. You're just, you just want your slush. <laughs> God, I'm so fucking hungry. Like my tummy's growling and I'm like, I really want that chair. be ice. <laughs> so he takes you downstairs and as you're going, Lou just kind of quickly explains to you that, in his younger days, he wasn't always the reputable businessman that he is today, even with a wink and a nod, because you know exactly how reputable of a businessman Lou is, even on the surface. But he points out to you that he actually has a personal history with this building, and as such, he knew what a great value in real estate he would be getting when he walked by and he saw the for sale sign in the window, and so he snatched it up immediately. And he tells you, he says, it took a lot of, a lot of capital. A lot of renovation, but I'm proud to welcome you to the corner. And as you turn the corner, you come into a great open hall. Now, this hall is covered in, on the floor level, the strangest floor tiles you have ever seen in your entire life. They are just covered in arrows pointing in all different directions. <laughs> and... And you, you, you kind of immediately wonder who the hell would have designed a floor pattern like that? Shit, man. I, out of character, I thought you were literally going to say it took a lot of renovations, but I got those fucking floor tiles out of here. <laughs> <laughs> now, 
I think that at the very least, Annie would probably recognize what they are and kind of recoil in horror. But he goes, don't worry, don't worry. I disconnected them. They're just pretty decoration now. And he he walks normally across the goddamn floor and into, again, this great open hall. And now that you're not fixated on the incredibly bizarre floor, um, you realize that this hall, regardless of what its original purpose was, it has now been converted into a... A lounge, a bar and lounge. There is a fully stocked, full service bar in in one corner of the room. Very nice, very dark wood, clearly well stocked bottles, floor to ceiling. And it's got a, a young man that you guys would actually probably recognize as someone who maybe had a job very similar to Sakamoto's a year or two back, um, who is now tending the bar along with a Malamar who is helping him, who is sh- shaking cocktails with his little tentacles so they're over there at the bar area there are um, tables and booths spread all throughout there are pool tables and other kind of games of chance Uh, only one lonely slot machine which appears to be long since broken down and we'll say we'll say that the slot machine immediately drew your eyes nick like you you immediately saw it and kind of looked at it and Lou's going to nudge you with his shoulder and say, that one doesn't work. That's why they didn't take it when they built the new casino. But they left all these beauties here for me. And he points you to the other side of the room, and there are about 12 vintage pinball machines. Question, can there be at least, like, one standard, like, arcade console there, too? Like, Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think that's, yeah. When, when he points it out, I go, oh, shit, you have an original Ms. Darmanitan fucking console where you eat the jellicence and i'm gonna like run over with my like fiddling in my fucking pants pockets for like a poke coin be like oh shit does this thing still work <laughs> he's gonna grit at you and he's gonna he's gonna even say i don't let many of the youngins down here but i kept these just for you guys dude the ms darmanitan console has a darmanitan with those big fucking lips those red, like lipstick painted lips, like Miss Pac-Man. Uh, I, I don't know. This 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 feels problematic. I don't know how I feel about this. He can, she can be a lady Darmanitan if she wants to be. God damn it! And she can eat those pellets. Okay, okay, okay. We're just we're just going to say that the racial hangups of the twenty first century North America do not exist in the Pokemon world, and that this is totally cool and valid here. I was just trying to say lipstick, man. Just, just. <laughs> Just fucking lipstick. Let's not go digging deeper into yeah. this. Yeah, let's, yeah, let's yeah, avoid yeah. that. We're, we're, we're not rehashing a jinx here. Let's avoid the fact that the uh, Miss Pac-Man was just Pac-Man and drag too. So, <laughs> yeah, yep, 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 yep. That's totally fine. Yeah, yeah, it's it's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. Um, yeah. So there's there's all the arcade consoles. Um, the air down here is very smoky and and heavy uh and there are a lot of a lot of the crooks that you would recognize just again from kind of living on the wrong side of the law in celadon are kind of mingling about either playing billiards or playing cards or just kind of sitting amongst themselves having a drink and 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 talking and and lou just kind of says you know this is this is where the real business happens you know if you need to make a connection if you need information if you need to fence something if you just need a night away from prying eyes and among friends that's that's what this place is is for and and then he's going to shoot a particularly hard glance at sakamoto and say you actually have my permission to be down here now lad please don't abuse it 
And all you hear in the corner is wah, 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 wah. <laughs> so, so he's, he's going to kind of clap you each on the shoulders, particularly you, Nick, and he's going to point over to the young man who's tending bar and say, Jerome over there will fix you up. If you're hungry, he can radio up to the deli counter and have a sandwich sent down. I'm going to go close up the shop. Sakamoto, you can take the rest of the night off. You're fine. I'm going to be down here in just a little while. There's something I want to ask you guys. But in the meantime, enjoy yourselves. So Nick is there playing Mr. Manitan and his tummy's just grumbling. And he keeps looking at the bar and looking back at the fucking blinking jellicents and then back at the bar and be like, oh, fuck, dude, like I got to get that strawberry. <laughs> excuse, excuse you, Rostberry. Rossberry. Yeah, thank you. I don't know my pokeberries very well. Every time you turn around to go and look at the arcade machine again, you see Sakamoto gets progressively closer and closer to the machines, but he doesn't move when you're looking at them. Like, <laughs> he just keeps getting closer and closer. Not to that machine, to one of the pinball ones, but... And then, like, halfway through, Scraggy pops in the frame, too. I, I'm gonna go to the bar and, and get something. Are they strictly, like, serving alcohol, or, like, what's the deal? No, I would imagine, particularly, even if they only ever had alcoholic beverage choices, with the fact that that Lou has seen fit to allow kids as young as you three down here, he would have made sure to have something stocked for you. I'm going to go up to, uh, what was the name of the gentleman you said who was working the bar? Uh, Jerome. I'm going to be like, hey, Jerome, uh, I'm, I'm real thirsty, man. Can, can I have a chair of the ice? I need that ice. <laughs> and, and Jerome's just going to kind of grin and, and nod. And he's going to elbow his, his Malamar. Mal- Malamar. And, and Malamar is just going to kind of like fade. Like just kind of fade out. And, and Jerome's just going to look at you and smile. And a few minutes later, Malamar is going to fade back in with a large cherubi ice in his in his tentacles. Malamar and hand it to you and Jerome's just gonna cheese and he's gonna be like it scares the shit out of the kids upstairs when he does that (laughs) oh oh dude you are the best you are the fucking best I'm gonna take a a sweet sweet sip of that cherubi ice and then I'm gonna offer some to pair it up so as soon as free food was mentioned Annie was like instantly at the bar and is trying to haggle with Jerome to get as many sandwiches as she can get (laughs) just a fucking pile of chicken wings (sighs) Jerome was just like, kid, kid, like, I can feed you. The boss said it's okay, but, like, I'm not supposed to stock your fucking fridge, man. Like, what do you want? <laughs> oh, come on, just four sandwiches, please? Like, I, I want to see them go in your fucking face right here. <laughs> if any of them are left on that plate when we are done, you are going to be in so much trouble. Do you understand me? This is my job. Yeah, that's fine. I'll make sure they're eating. Okay, and and Jerome's going to pick up a little a little radio, and he's going to radio your order upstairs to the the lady working the deli counter, and and kind of wait, and and sooner or later somebody's going to bring it down for you. I lean over to Annie and go, "If you can't finish it, I'll totally eat it. He'll never know." <laughs> <laughs> so both me and uh, Slugger are going to be playing the pinball machines. We're going to be playing two separate ones. But um, Slugger has one on the end, and he's not particularly very good at it. So after uh, Jerome radios um, Annie's order up, Slugger's going to get real angry and tip over one of the pinball machines. So are 
Are you are you sure you want to do that? Oh no. I'm going to catch it before it completely falls. Good oh, luck. Okay. If, so, if I see any of this happening, I'm going to be like, oh, oh man, no, no, don't go on till. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so I imagine that you're going to get a pretty stern look from Jerome, who knows you better than he knows the other two, because even though, like, I, I'd imagine if you've been working in the shop, like, you you definitely have seen his face. He works here, and you know him as a co-worker, but you didn't really know where or what he did, so now it's kind of clicked for you. But he knows you, and he's just like... Get him under control, man! You're yo, you guys are gonna get me in trouble. Uh. I give him the most nervous, shit-eating grin. Also, for the record, Scraggy's only like two feet tall. How the fuck is he playing <laughs> pinball? I lifted him up, and he's hoisting himself up on the thing with his arms, which is why he's so bad. He has to use one of his arms to balance on top of the machine. So his little lizard pants are just all the way fucking down then. <laughs> Basically. He's not even paying attention. <laughs> which, to be fair, like, they're they're not, like, real pants. They're just, like, extra skin sacks. So it's, like, all around his ankles. But his pants are, like, still on him. Oh, that's, that's real gross. Why did you have to go there? I don't want to think about reptile skin sacks. Jeez. Uh, it's not. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to walk uh, over to the arcade area and look at Sakamoto and go, you you, you want to play two-player tur- Tortuga in, in time? Tortugas in time? Let's do it. Let's totally do it, dude. <laughs> I actually grab um, Slugger and I put him like on my shoulders because I'm like, you can't play pinball alone. And he's kind of, like, fighting me and, like, punching my head a little bit. But I'm just like, come on, let's fucking go. <laughs> I imagine Saiten is trying to sneak behind the bar, but not being successful. So, d- does Annie do anything else during her time in the corner? Or is she just nomming on sandwiches? Like, just from... Nomming on sandwiches. Free food is free food. Free food is hard to get. And And I imagine that somewhere, somehow, uh, Satan just, like, manages to pick up I don't know, like a bag of tokens for the arcade machines. And you're just like, hey, where did you get that? And he's just like, hey, Bob. And just goes on about his monkey business. Uh, what you didn't fucking know is that Shredder is a cab of tops. I'm going to walk over to uh, Nick and hand him the bag of arcade tokens. Sick, dude. Where'd you get these? Hey, Bob. <laughs> hey, Nick looks at everyone and goes, Hell yeah, infinite fucking continues. <laughs> uh, I give the A Palm a high five. A Palm! That gives you a little tail high five. And and Slugger looks at you real, <laughs> real shifty. Like, really? Re- I give him a shifty look back. I'm like, <laughs> you, you, you get some freaking tokens if you want a high five. Rag it. Rag I just go back to Nomin. If you're going to be a grump, you get put on the ground. I pick him up and I look at him. like I hold him in front of me and look him in the eyes. I'm like, he had, he, don't he be a grump. He headbutt you directly in the nose. <laughs> <laughs> I headbutt him back. Okay, so you guys you guys have your evening of, of childish merriment. You you play your Tortugas in time and you nom your mini sandwiches. And your APOM steals anything that's not nailed down. <laughs> um, and... <laughs> occasionally scraggy like punches my knee (laughs) and after a couple of hours lou kind of comes back down the stairs his his limp is a little bit more pronounced which again you guys have been around him enough to know that at the end of a long day of work that's pretty par for the course Uh, he's limping and, and leaning pretty heavily into his cane 
when he comes down, like Peridot's gonna appear on his shoulder and just be like, Peridot. <laughs> they don't say their nicknames, Tanner. They do now. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you just you just have a very weird save a lie. Cool. No, it, it can do whatever. You you know what I mean though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, I do. So he gives him the big old shitty grin and goes, Save a lie. <laughs> just trying to scare the shit out of the old man. At this point, Lou is thoroughly used to Peridot and his shenanigans, and he just kind of reaches up and scratches him under the chin with one hand, absentmindedly. Um, Buttercup is is still kind of circling his way between his between Lou's legs, and Lou is one of those old cat owners who can just take those measured steps, even with that cat directly between his feet, and never have any fear of falling down, despite his uncertain footing to begin with. Angel's not with him, but that's not necessarily, again, much of a surprise. She's kind of a drama queen, she's kind of a diva, and she's probably off for her her snack in her bed at this point in the evening so so lou kind of limps his way over to a a nice corner booth and he he waves you guys as he passes and says okay come on we need to we need to have a chat and he he sits down and jerome immediately knows his job uh, and brings lou a a big a big whiskey <laughs> just about a, a triple shot of whiskey and a, and a decanter of water and just kind of sets it down and, and kind of melts away and ah thank you jerome and he sits down um and he just kind of gets gets settled in he pulls out his pipe um he gives it a good light takes a few sips of his whiskey and just just takes a minute to be and again you guys i think at this point are all familiar enough with lou that you may not know this particular routine but you know that he's gonna talk when he's good and ready and nothing's gonna <laughs> make that happen any faster sure so we're all we're all standing there and he's having his moment of like quiet and getting his pipe and i'm sucking down the last bits of this cherubi ice and it's making that straw sound <laughs> <laughs> and i just kind of like look at everybody like i'm interrupting the quiet moment i'm like sorry and and jerome's malamar just materializes behind you with a new one in his tentacles and goes malamar holy shit dude are you psyched you are <laughs> <laughs> so he he takes he, he gives you the fresh when he takes your empty and malamar and just kind of poofs away again so Lou's lit up at this point. He's fairly well content. He just kind of motions to you guys to sit, to sit in the booth, to sit down. And when you're all seated and comfortable, he looks you each in the eye, kind of in turn. He goes around the table and he says, look, things, things are changing here in Celadon. Things have been changing since before you three were born. It used to be. Us, us crooks, us lowlifes, we were, we were a fraternity. We were a brotherhood. We all had each other's backs. We all paid our dues, paid our taxes, and we were looked out for. And that went away. And then, for a long time, it was every dog for himself. And those, make no mistake, lads, those were bad days. Folks like us got kicked and beaten and pushed around. From the same people who made their fortunes off of us in our heyday. And it wasn't it wasn't a good time to be somebody who didn't make their living on the right side of the law. Or even somebody who made their living honest but didn't have a lot of money. I have spent the last ten years of my life trying to give some of that brotherhood back to Celadon. That's why I built my market. That's why I built the corner. 
is so I can look out for us and ours. And also to provide affordable groceries. <laughs> and he just shoots you. He shoots you the look. <laughs> and, and and he goes on and he says, I, I can't I can't do this forever. I'm an old man. And at the end of the day, you kids are the future of our of our people. And I want that future to be good. So I want to invest in you. I, I want you to be successful. I want you to get the skills that you need. And most importantly, I want to make sure that you're taught right. And that you value each other. And that you value our people. Because someone has to. And so with that, he looks at each of you and he says, I have a job. This isn't this isn't a second fiddle gig. You won't be assisting anyone. You won't be consulting for them. You are going to succeed or fail by your own abilities and your own wits. If you fail, the punishment, the consequences are are potentially dire. But if you succeed, and he holds out a, a very large bag. And Nick, you immediately, no roll necessary, you immediately recognize the clinking sound that gems make when they're up against each other. If you heard it for long enough, you could probably even have a rough idea of what types of stones and their relative quality just from the sounds that they make. But just in, even in that short motion, you can tell that there are gems in this bag. And he drops it in the middle of the table. So I can probably assume that I'm not the only one who notices that. Peridot would know, and the second she hears the clinking, she comes a-sneaking, looking at what it is. I imagine that there's probably a shadow cast on the table by at least one of you, depending on where the light source is. And I imagine that her little pointy ears start to poke out from that shadow just a little bit. And so Lou's going to look at you pretty sharply and be like, call off your spook. You haven't earned it yet. Come on, get back over here. You can eat later. Sam, Sam, alive! I'll pull out one. Obviously, I have food for her for the day, so I pull out something out of my pocket and go, "Come on!" Okay, so she's just sitting there noshing on her cheruby ice ruby as you're slurping on your cheruby ice. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, he drops this big bag of gems in the middle of the table, and he says, "This this represents enough wealth to set." All three of you up considerable for some time. It's enough to feed that damn demon of yours for three months. <laughs> so. Retire or feed your Pokemon. <laughs> Pet ownership. <laughs> and then in addition, he pulls out a much smaller pouch and he sets it on the table. And he says, this, however, I think is the real reward. And he says, so, for the record, I just want to establish something really quickly for your characters. It's something that we haven't discussed super in detail yet. We've discussed broad strokes, but not specifics. But your characters would be very, very aware of this, okay? Um, so, we've talked before about how you can't be legal trainers because of your ages. And that's true. When you turn 16, you can register with the Pokemon League. And at that point, you can have Pokemon and buy Pokeballs and use the PC system and have a Pokedex and all that good stuff. I think I said have a Pokedex twice. I don't fucking care. Um, <laughs> but 
under that age, it's illegal to do so. And and in spite of just the general illegality, which I don't think would bother you guys too awful much because, I mean, at the end of the day, you're all, to greater or lesser degrees, crooks. Like, you break the law on the daily to live. So that, that wouldn't necessarily bother you, but it also just makes things very, very difficult. Uh, Pokeballs in particular, when they capture a Pokemon, they automatically register it to the cloud, essentially, to your trainer ID. That Pokemon is immediately and irrevocably registered as yours unless you trade it. Which means that Pokeballs don't function for you. Because if you throw a Pokeball, you have no trainer ID for it to register to. And if anything, it's just going to lock up and it's going to alert the authorities that you're using Pokeballs without permission. So, actually, I'll ask you... Because generally speaking, you either do without Pokeballs until you're of age, even if you're an illegal trainer, or if you have them, they have been hacked and modified, which is very difficult to find and very, very pricey. So I'll say for you, Sakamoto, Slugger is almost certainly in a Pokeball that is registered to your mother and not to you. I think that's the most likely scenario there. But I mean, Nick and Annie are both orphans at the end of the day, so... Nick, I'll ask you, does does Peridot even have a Pokeball? I mean, I think it could go either way, but I think that Nick is really attached to Peridot. Like, we kind of established that he found her. Like, she was out of her native environment, and she was in real bad shape. And he he's very emotionally invested in her. And I think the second that he had enough money from stealing you know these higher level heists he would have tried to find a ball so nobody could steal her from him how about annie do you think that she has satan in a pokeball or is he just kind of doing his own monkey thing so satan's kind of doing his own monkey thing annie would not be able to afford a pokeball and the one she would be able to manage to steal would either have something in it which then she would pretty much put it back or be empty and she would have to get rid of it because she wouldn't be able to use it Okay. You have, you have flames painted on Satan's ball. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's Satan, not Satan. God damn it! I'm going to change his name. <laughs> Hail Satan! You're going to have to wait till you get to the name raider. God damn it! Yep. yep. Also, that's I imagine you put stuff on the table. His tail keeps going towards it, and I keep having to grab it and pulling it back, and I'm like fighting <laughs> between the, the monkey and the item the entire time. Yeah, Peridot looks over at him like, "That's my fucking food. You stay the fuck away from that." <laughs> Dude, Scraggy is still trying to get back up on the pinball machine to play some more. <laughs> J- Jerome is just off in the distance fighting, fighting with Slugger. Like, no, no, your trainer's over there. Go over there with Sakamoto. Scraggy tries to headbutt him on the machine, but Jerome's used to it and just dodges. Yeah, that sounds about right. Malamar comes over and, and puts puts Slugger to sleep. <laughs> Slugger, Slugger's just snoozing in the corner now. <laughs> Malamar. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Lou puts a second, much smaller case on the table, and, and he opens it, and inside are three Pokeballs. And they're in their, their small form, you know, in the anime where they can shrink down to real, real little. They're real little, but he pulls one out, and he hits the button, and he makes it big. And he throws it to Annie. And he says, look at this girl. Tell me what you see. Roll wisdom for me, Annie. Okay, so that'd be Mystic. Let me go ahead and roll. It's going to be six. Okay. You can't really make heads or tails of it. So I'm, 
yeah, you, you can't tell anything just looking at it. She gives him a really confused look and shrugs. <laughs> this just like street level thief picks up a ball and goes, eh. <laughs> she can't tell the difference between the one she's gotten before and how useless they were. Nick, Nick, you want to try? Yeah, sure. Fucking runaway dice. <laughs> yep, when you try to roll on a computer desk. Uh, eight? Eight. So, you're not super, like, technically savvy. Like, you understand, obviously, like, surveillance systems and things of that nature. But don't branch much beyond that when it comes to tech stuff, I would imagine. So, you can't tell much, but you can tell that something is off with this ball. And upon closer inspection, you can see that the serial number's been filed off. It's a sneaky ball. <laughs> so Lou kind of nods and says, that's right. He says, these are very difficult to come by. But these balls have been jailbroken. They are not tied to the PC network. Shit, for real? And, and they will work for you. They won't alert any authorities. You can catch Pokemon with these. So it's still in my hand and I look at it and go, the warranty's voided. <laughs> and I'll hand it back to him. So Lou's going to look you all in the eyes, kind of just to make sure that you understand the gravity of the reward that you're being promised. And he's going to say, this is all yours if you do one job for me. Hey everybody, uh, Steven here, just jumping in to go over just a few things, and then we'll get you right back into the action of today's show. Uh, we really appreciate everyone giving this episode a listen. This is something that is very new and experimental for us, and it may not seem that way, depending on how this comes out in the wash, I guess, uh, but we worked really, really hard on it, and we really hope that you guys love it. Uh, if you haven't already, please be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes. It helps us tremendously and helps us grow the show and find new audience and guys guys we've we've talked about this and it's been a very long time since we got any new ratings or reviews so i don't know that you're doing a great job of listening i don't know that you're holding up your end of this relationship and i'm a little bit disappointed in you guys i don't want to have to like do the dad voice and give you the look and be real disappointed but i'm kind of feeling that way so maybe go give us a review and i won't have to tell your mother about this also, if we haven't already, we will be giving this show its own feed on iTunes. So even if you've already reviewed Blastburn Radio and thus you aren't on my my disappointed look list, maybe consider giving BBR Adventures its own review as well. Thank you. We really appreciate it. Now, you can follow the show on Twitter or Facebook at Blastburn Radio, and that's probably the, the easiest and best way to interact with us outside of Discord. Uh, and if you'd like to tweet about the show, uh, live tweet it, provide fan art, any of that good stuff, we'd encourage you to use the hashtag BBR adventures uh, we'll be keeping an eye out for what you guys post and if we all use the hashtag it makes it easy for our friends to mute it and to avoid spoilers until they've had a chance to listen so we really appreciate that uh, you can follow me personally on twitter at bbr jolly you can follow tanner at messer engine and you can follow celeste at celeste the lost uh, my sweet baby brother jacob is a bit of a ludite and doesn't do the whole social media thing but you can poke him on our discord i suppose if you want to 
Now, as this is our role-playing show, I would be super-duper remiss if I didn't talk to you guys about Tanner's company, Mythic Portal Games. Uh, if you play any sort of RPG on an online platform, such as Roll20 or Astral, uh, Mythic Portal creates great map and token art assets for use in online role-play. It's all really high-quality stuff. Uh, we don't actually use any visual assets making this show because... Well, we're making it for an audio medium and all that. You can't see the map that we're looking at, so we just don't look at one. Uh, but Mythic Portal's art packs are really, really high quality and super reasonably priced. So be sure to show Tanner some love and support and maybe pick up some dope art for use in your own campaign. Uh, all of the music in today's show, the intro, the outro, uh, as well as the little interlude pieces here, was all provided courtesy of friend of the show, Glitch X City. Uh, be sure to check her out and show her some love as well. You can find her on Twitter, on on uh, YouTube, on SoundCloud, just about everywhere at GlitchX City. Lastly, this show in particular is made possible by the support of listeners just like you over at patreon.com slash challenge accepted media. Uh, if you would like to and can afford to support us here with a monthly donation, you can get some pretty cool perks, including early access to this show. You could be listening to it a whole lot earlier than everyone else over on Patreon if that is compelling for you. Uh, ultimately, if you enjoy this show, if you want more content and more frequent releases, your support on Patreon is what can ultimately make that happen. And thank you so much to everyone who has chosen to support us monetarily. We really cannot thank you enough for that. Okay, that's enough commercials. Uh, we'll go ahead and get back to the show. Thank you so much, everyone. And I love your faces. Okay, bye-bye. Nick looks at Peridot, who's still nomming on her on her gem from my pocket from earlier. I take a sip of my cherubi eyes and I go, I'm in. What kind of shit do we need to do to get that? Don't care. I'm in. How much do you kids know about the Monaki family? The Monopoly family? <laughs> Are they like local celebrities in Celadon or... They are... The they are an old money family in Celadon. I would assume that at least to some degree, Nick, you would have some working knowledge of that class of people within the city. Um, sure. Do either of you, Annie or Sakamoto feel like you would have any reason to know much of anything beyond maybe the name? I would know to avoid them if they're walking through the streets. Not that they come there that often. If my mom knew anything about them, then I would, because I listen to the shit that she tells me, but beyond that. Okay, well, I tell you what then, Sakamoto, Nick, both of you roll wisdom for me. Not wisdom, I keep calling it wisdom, it's mystic. Mystic is the name of the stat. Ten? I got a four. You got a four. Okay, Sakamoto, you are pretty sure that you've heard your mom bitch about cleaning their underwear at some point. And that's basically it. And you're wrong, by the way. She hasn't. But that's that's what you think. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, you recognize the Monaki name as uh, the name of an old money family here in Celadon. They're old money, but they're not particularly moneyed these days. Um, what you do know is that the current 
scion of the house, the head of House Menaki, as it were, the last of the Menakis, actually, is a man by the name of Yusin, uh, who is an archaeologist and a historian who has traveled a lot of the world. Uh, and he doesn't frequently visit his home. Like, they have a manor house in the north of Celadon, but he's almost never there. So... Since I know this, I'm going to look at Lou and goes, you want me to rip off their manor? I bet he's got all kinds of shit that he gets on his travels and leaves at home pretty much unguarded. And and Lou's going to smile and nod, happy that you kind of get the, get the drift so quickly. And he's going to say, specifically, we have a client. And that client requires one specific artifact out of the Menaki Manor. Now, they need you to pilfer enough goods... That you seen cannot tell that you were sent for that one item, but not so much that he starts a manhunt for you. Fair enough. Now, there's no traditional security in the Menaki Banner. He does not have an alarm system. He does not have security cameras. But he has traveled all the known land chasing down legend and rumor and myth. And the man has acquired some frankly weird shit. I need you to get into his house, get what we need, and get back out. And I need it by tomorrow. What time tomorrow? Like, are we talking mid-morning? Are we talking, like, end of business day? Like, (laughs) I look, I put my hands up, I go, these are legitimate questions. 36 hours. It's at this point in the evening, we'll say that it's it's a Wednesday evening at about 10 p.m. And and so we'll say by by 10 a.m. on Friday morning. All right. So Lou is going to get out a map and he's going to spread it out over the table. and He's going to wink at you kids and he's going to say, normally this type of intel would cost you. But it's the first time and the first one's always a freebie. Got to get you hooked and kind of wink and, and roll it out. And he's going to show you a map of exactly where the Menaki Manor House is is located. Um, and he's going to point out to you that it is in a, in a neighborhood of equally rich homesteads. And specifically, he's going to point out that at the front of the house, there are guard stations on every corner. Again, the old money of Celadon knows what the south side is up to and they don't particularly want any of it coming up north and so they tend to pay to have their homes fairly well protected so there's guard stations on either corner where officer jenny's patrol fairly frequently there are the two manor houses on either side of the menaki residence are occupied um, and are occupied by fairly wealthy and influential moneyed individuals and more specifically they are occupied by money and moneyed individuals who have been the victims of thefts and robberies and so those houses are fairly vigilant those homes are fairly well secured the monaki house has never been burglarized and lou explains to you that that's for a couple of different reasons again Yusin is not a rich man his family is old money but he has not chosen a career path that has been particularly financially lucrative. And in fact, while you can make all the arguments you want about the wisdom he has obtained and is now sharing with the world, the fact of the matter is he spent his entire life squandering his great-grandfather's fortune. And so the manor and his artifacts are reasonably most of what he has to his name at this point. 
Um, he does point out that the, the manor does have a very extensive garden out back. Um, and he points to, to the garden and, and looks very pointedly at you, Nick. And he says, this is your, you know, this is your thing. I'm not going to tell you how to do your job, what you're good at. But if I was casing this place, I would come in through the garden. You're far enough away from the neighbors that you're unlikely to raise a fuss. But, and he holds up one finger very pointedly and he says, you'll have to go through the hedge maze to get to the house through the garden. And more importantly, and he points to a small shack on the peripheral of the garden. He says, while, while Yusin has not been home for some months, his gardener, his groundskeeper is here and is very vigilant. And he's going to look you right in the eye and he's going to say, Nathan is a good lad. He's, he's good people like us. He's very loyal to the family and he's not going to let you burglarize them, but don't hurt him. And he looks very pointedly at you, Sakamoto. If you have to fight him, you have to fight him, but don't hurt him. I will be very upset with you. Beyond that, you can tell that the manor house is approximately three stories. Um, I'd say two and a half. It's, it's, it's a two story house with a half of a third level. Lou points out to you that it was not built with a basement, but that you seen is kind of, kind of a kook. Uh, he's kind of eccentric and it's not beyond belief that he would have excavated one for himself. So he cannot guarantee that there is no lower level, only that the manor was not built with one. And at that point, he's just going to kind of throw his hands up and say, that's, that's pretty much the extent of what I know currently that I feel will be useful to you. Again, no one's been in, no one has been in the manor house in a, a, at least six months. Uh, no one has cased the joint in many, many years. So I don't have much knowledge of the layout of the inside. I could not possibly tell you where the item you're looking for resides, only that it's in there and that you must find it. All right. Well, it sounds like time's of the essence, so we should probably get started. Okay. So Lou is encouraged by, by the seriousness that you're showing this job, and he looks at each of you in turn, and he says, you know, kids... I want you to succeed here. I want you to do well. And, and I hope that's clear. Do you have any questions for me? Is there anything that I haven't told you that you'd like to know that I can help you with? Do we expect uh, the owner to be back at any time in the next 24 hours? Last I heard, old Yusin has taken uh, a temporary teaching position over at the Oak Institute. And it's mid-semester, so it, it's not impossible. Like, he could fly home for some reason, but I, I don't see any reason to anticipate him leaving the school in the middle of a school week. Gotcha. Okay. I don't have any other questions. Um, do you guys? You seem to know the gardener pretty well. Does What Pokemon are we expecting to run into if we do run into them? So... Old Nathan doesn't actually keep a lot of Pokemon. That being said, there are a lot of Pokemon in that garden. There's a lot of, of wild ones that do odd jobs for him for, for treats. He's got a real way with the the grass and the bug and the, the flying type Pokemon. They take a shine to old Nathan. So there's Pokemon about, but most of them aren't properly Nathans. Um, Nathan does have himself a partner that trims all the hedges, that keeps the hedge maze in line. It's a far-fetched that, that does the hedge work. 
As to whether he's actually claimed any other Pokemon for his own, I wouldn't know. If you don't want us to hurt this this Nathan Dick guy, is there anything in particular we can use to our advantage if if we end up confronted with him to sort of stop a fight? Nathan is fiercely loyal to the Monaki family. His his pa worked for Usine's pa. And back another generation beyond that. He he was one of us when he was young. He was a Hellraiser. But when it came time to support his family, he went and and he went to support and to work for the family that's done right by him and his for more than his whole life. There is not a thing on this earth that you can offer to that man that will trump his loyalty. All right. Best thing would do would be for us to avoid him then at most cost. Uh, avoid him if you can. If not, flee if you can. If you have to confront and fight him, please don't hurt. If he's stubborn, I, I can't promise anything. He's going to look at you and he's going to say, I will hold you personally responsible and your paycheck if you hurt my oldest and dearest friend. Do you understand me, Sakamoto? It's like, I, I already knew that. You did it last time. And he's going to sigh, and he's going to say, well, if you kids don't need anything else from me, I think I'm off for my bed. I think Angel had the right idea, and he's going to look at you expectantly. Yep. Let's go. Okay, good night then, kids. And he's going to holler over, Jerome, lock up the shop when everybody's gone. And he's going to kind of stump his way back to the stairs with his with his cane and with his brandy. Whiskey? Brandy? You said whiskey. 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 With his whiskey. He's, he's, he's taking the whiskey with him. He's got his whiskey and his cane. And, and Buttercup, I think, at this point is probably curled up on his shoulder, hitching a free ride, as, you know, cats are wont to do. And he just kind of stumps his way over to the stairs. You guys would know that Lou maintains an apartment above his shop. And so he's actually heading up a couple of floors to, to head for his bed. All right. So you guys at this point, you have 36 hours on the timetable that Lou has provided you to figure out a plan of attack and to commit this heist on this manor house. Um, and at this point, you've gotten basically all the information out of Lou that, that he's going to give you unless you think of any other specific questions and hunt him down. How do you want to proceed with prepping for this job? I suck down the last of my cherubi ice. I crush the empty cup and throw it in the trash and go, let's get to work. Okay, now bear in mind, it's 10 p.m. And the Minaki Manor is in the wealthiest part of the wealthy part of Celadon. Oh, good thing I'm dressed to the nines. I shore up my tie, make sure I look good in my jaunty hat, my fucking dapper hat. And we're going to go for a walk uptown. Or I'm going to go for a walk uptown and uh, figure out what our best point of entry is going to be. Okay. Sakamoto, Annie, are you going to go with Nick or are you going to let him take that solo and work on something else? So you just want to go and case a joint, right? Yeah, I'm going to walk on by. I'm going to have my invisible friend go take a look at that garden, that hedge maze, and then come back to me so that we know what we're doing. I'm going to follow um, Nick, but I'm going to stick to the shadows and try to look around where corners are and places to hide, places where people could pop out of where I wouldn't expect them to, things like that. Okay. 
I do have a question about how far would the apartment that me and my mother are living at be from uptown? Would it be like on the on the edge of southern Celadon? Would it be like far south? Well, I would I would imagine that you probably live in the neighborhood surrounding Luz. Again, like this this building was kind of a staple of your your neighborhood, your area growing up. And with that being the case, I would say that you're you're deep in the heart like you're like pretty much smack dab in the middle of what we'll call the i don't know i don't know if slums is necessarily the right word even in the poorest parts of celadon like people clearly take what pride they can in their ownership of their homes right like there's it's not it's not truly a slum but but you live in the middle of the seediest part you're talking probably if we're saying, and this is just an example for scale, mind you, if we're saying that Celadon is a city that's, let's say, 30 miles circumference, you probably you probably live a good 10, 15 away from the ritzy, the wealthy district. Okay, so I would be pretty far away then. I personally don't think that I want to go with them. I don't dress the park to be in uptown. That's that's not me. If I go there, I stick out like a sore thumb, and I'm going to attract unwanted attention. But if some something goes wrong, I want to be relatively close to be able to, like, bail my people out. So I think... Is there a Pokemon Center in the uptown? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, actually, ironically enough, the gym in Celadon is actually kind of in the seedier area. It's it's about as far south in the city as you can go and still be in the city. And it's blocked by bushes for some fucking reason. Like, nobody's ever understood that. But there's all these bushes growing on the road to the, the gym that trainers have to cut down and they come back and replant them. It's, it's fucking madness. Um, <laughs> but the Pokemon Center is only a couple of blocks away from the the financial district where like the department store um the, the the shopping mall things of that nature is the the retail district which which i would say is probably within a, a good solid three or four miles of the wealthier neighborhoods okay then i would tell you guys to go ahead and take my number and i've got like a shitty old flip phone like it's not even a smart like phone that we probably have in this era of pokemon <laughs> It's it's a shitty thing that I use just to text my mom and let her know when I'm going to be home. Give you guys my number. Tell you to put me on quick dial. If something goes wrong, let me know and I'll come running with fucking Slugger. And I'm going to hang out in the Pokemon Center and just, you know, dick around with like the Chansey and all the other things there. And just be like this dumb uh, shithead kid that's like almost a trainer so I could maybe fit in there. Okay, so you're gonna play the angle of like, oh man, I get to I get to get my first Pokemon next year. Like this is this is my mom's Pokemon, but I really want one of my own. Like, which one did you pick? Where are you from? Like, just kind of fanboy out on all the Pokemon trainers. Yeah, a, a little bit, and I also am going to like maybe help out with the Nurse Joy a little bit with how popular being a trainer is. I imagine she could maybe use a little bit of help at this time of night. Okay, and I, I think it's a pretty fair assumption that given the fact that you've had Slugger in your family for a couple of years at this point, and you're both kind of prone to going out and getting your asses kicked, you're probably pretty well acquainted with the joys in town. Um, so I'd imagine you've probably already got something of a relationship there. So yeah, that's that's totally valid. Um, yeah. Okay, so again, it's about 10 p.m. Uh, on 
at this point, what we decided, Wednesday night? Yes, 10 p.m. Yeah. Wednesday night. So, Sakamoto, you head over to the Pokemon Center. It's actually pretty quiet, uh, but the joy there has clearly been having kind of a, a rough night. Apparently, there are a couple of trauma cases. And so she actually, she's pretty appreciative for your presence. She uh, again, she knows you. You're, you're on a first-name basis. So she asks you kind of if you'll just, since you're here, since you're hanging out, if you'll just kind of hang out in the lobby and, and kind of yell for her if you need help. And then her and Chansey both kind of bustle back to take care of their patients. Um, so you've, you've pretty much got the run of your place to yourself at this point. All the trainers who are passing through have already rented rooms and are, are bedded down for the evening so it's just kind of you in the pokemon center lobby hmm. okay so as far as you nick and you annie again you've got about 15 miles to go in in the dead of night between you and and the wealthier district where uh the Minaki household is it's 10 p.m and even totally discounting the fact that you don't necessarily 100% look like you belong in the wealthier district, you're young enough that you don't necessarily look like you belong on the streets at all. So what is what is your approach? What is your strategy? How are you making your way from the the seedier neighborhood around Luz to the, the upscale, nicer neighborhoods surrounding your mark? Well, there's a couple of things to consider here. I don't imagine... That there's a whole lot of people watching for traffic coming from uptown, downtown. They're watching uptown. Like, nobody comes into downtown at night, like, in Celadon. It just doesn't seem like a good idea. So, exiting shouldn't be a problem. The second thing is, yeah, I'm a young person walking in uptown. I'm dressed to the nines. My question for you, because I live in town and I know most of the wealthy targets around... Do I know anybody who lives in this area of Uptown who have kids that aren't around who are attending the Oak School who might be back for whatever reason? So if I get stopped, I can be like, yeah, I'm just headed home. Like, I live down here. Um, Roll wisdom for me and take advantage on it. Uh, 11 and... Seven, so an 11. Well, eleven's full success anyway. So yeah, okay, we'll say that you are familiar enough with the the families that exist in the neighborhood that, that you're going in that you would probably know. Um, okay, so you as a resident of Celadon and one who is more familiar with kind of what the, the high and the mighty are, are doing around the city because you need to know who they are and where they are to rob them. Um, you would be aware that the Hikami household is relatively nearby to your mark. Um, the Hikami household is the household of Erica, who is the once and former gym leader of Celadon city um, and whose family has deep, deep roots here in the city. She no longer manages the gym, um, but she does still manage her perfume, her fragrance business. That is very, a very large industry here in Celadon. And thus she has made a substantial name and and wealth for her and her family. Um, She does have three children. And one of those is a boy who is, more or less your age that you could probably pass for. Does he have a name? Yeah, we'll say that his name is Aiden. Okay, so if that's the case, what I'm going to do is I'm going to exit downtown Celadon, headed like I would normally to Uptown in the morning, 
the biggest thing about going someplace where you're not supposed to be, and Nick would know this, like I, I'm reasonably certain that he would know this, is to look like you belong there. To not draw unnecessary attention to yourself. Just go about your business. Like there's nothing fucking wrong. Um, and on our way there, uh, I'm going to look at Peridot, who's riding on my shoulder, and I go, I need you to stay invisible. And I'm going to tap my shoulder twice when we get near the manor. I need you to go look out that hedge maze. Find us a way through and then come back to me. I'm going to be, I'll give her instructions on where I'm going to wait. Uh, somewhere beyond the mark so that she can come back and find me. Does that go over okay or is she real grumpy about it? Um, roll, roll bond. <laughs> She's real grumpy about it. I rolled a four. <laughs> Yeah, so you've been around Peridot long enough to know that she's not super pleased about this plan, but she does, you can tell from her mannerisms that she does approve of the stealth factor. Again, she's very cautious by nature, and so the fact that you are not engaging anything that she is to scout out and either find an answer or flee if it becomes apparent that's not going to be possible it it falls very much in line with what she's inclined to do anyway she doesn't Mm -hmm. like splitting up but if you have to split up she does see the sense in this plan and so she reluctantly agrees so when i when i see that she's obviously a little upset about it and i go hey 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 hey," like "I, i know i know but if I get caught poking around the house, it's going to be a lot harder for all of us to come back in a few hours and do what we need to do. Like, I don't want to be away from you any more than you do. You know that. But you can you can disappear. I can't disappear. And I, I don't even have any Cherubi ice left. <laughs> like, I know that would make things better, right? I'm just some kid drinking Cherubi ice. I, I, don't, I don't got it. So I need you to do what you do. You, you're my eyes. That's why I feed you all the gemstones. And I pull one out of my pocket and go, I got a, I got a, I got a little emerald for you. Will you do it for an emerald? Sableye. And, and she immediately greedily stuffs the whole thing in her fucking mouth. Because no, that's she, my girl. Because she's a deviant. <laughs> okay. So that's, that's your plan then, Nick. Annie, how do you plan on making your way through these, these upper class neighborhoods? So my plan, getting through the downtown is going to be pretty easy. I should be pretty familiar with those streets. It's going to be a little bit more complex in the upper streets. This late at night, how well litten? Or how... <laughs> how well litten? Oh, uh, there are, there are at least five litten. <laughs> no, how well... How how well lighted is the place. I don't even know the word. How well lit? How well lit, yes. So, uh, I mean, it's... It's residential streets at night, so obviously they don't, they don't want them to be too ridiculously bright because they don't want to to keep people awake with the light. That mm-hmm. being said, again, these are, are wealthy neighborhoods that have had difficulties with break-ins in the past. So, I mean, yes, there are street lights and they're all lit. Like, it's not like downtown where every third one might be out and the bulb might take six months to get replaced. Like, they're they're all well lit. And, and again... Just about every corner is going to have like a guard station with it with where an officer Jenny may or may not be on duty this particular evening, but they're all over the place. Would I know where those are exactly? 
I mean, you would probably know where the stations are, but they they rotate their duty specifically so that it's impossible to without having a contact within the force without knowing their schedule mm-hmm. to know which stations are and are not manned on a given night. But I'd know what angles to approach from to avoid as best as I can. Sure. So, th- so that's going to be your your goal then is just to stick to the shadows and stealth your way uptown. Exactly. Okay. Um, well, let's start with you, Nick, since you're not strictly traveling together, since there is a healthy amount of distance between the two of you. Um, so, so Nick, you're you're approaching the target neighborhood. You're approaching the uh, the Menaki household uh, from the rear. Again, you said you were going to uh, pursue the the hedge maze. So, I assume you're coming in from the the, the street behind theirs, not directly from the, the yeah. front door. So what I want to do is I want to be headed towards the house of the person that I am pretending to be okay, and, and pass as, as close as I can without getting like really close, just same street. Cause same I can hop off my shoulder and go do her thing. I just got to let her know to go. So as I'm just walking down the street, I'm going to reach over my back. Like I got an itch. I'm going to scratch tap twice and hopefully Peridot will go do her thing. And I'm going to keep on heading home. Quote unquote. Go ahead and roll me an instinct. Well, that was two ones. <laughs> okay, mark experience. Wah, 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 wah. So as you continue to walk along all nonchalant, you're going to get tapped on the shoulder. Okay, I I turn around. Hmm? Oh, I, I'm sorry. It's, it's a little late. So standing behind you is probably a, a middle-aged, I, I would say somewhere in the realm of, of 30 to 40, a uh, woman in a, a blue uniform with, with blue hair. It, it looks like it may have been navy at one point, but it's, it's starting to lighten. It's probably more mm-hmm. of uh, an... God, I'm not good with color shades, you guys. Um, lighter than navy, not as light as sky blue. A blue blue. The blue kind. The blue uh, kind. <laughs> or a cyan, I don't know. Yeah, it's blue hair kind of up in a, a messy bun, like a ponytail that was just folded over once. Um, and she looks at you and she's just going to go, Young man, what on earth are you doing on the streets at this hour? Is this a, what day is it? It's Wednesday. At this point, I'd say probably 10.30 p.m. Do, dumb question, I know we talked about the Oak School and everything, but do do regular kids have school? Yes. Like, is this a school night? Yes. So, in, in the, the Pokemon world, not every child has school. School is not 100% mandatory, but there are a number of public schools in addition to the private institution that is the Oak School, and most kids do opt to go to school. Okay. I'm going to say, yeah, I, I know I really lost track of time. I was hanging out with my friends, and here we are. My mom's going to kill me. I, I'm actually trying to get back home. Uh, I'm I'm Aiden Hikami, and I, I offer my hand to, to shake. She's going to look at your hand, and she's going to look back up at your face, and she's going to go, okay, Mr. Hikami, where'd your spooky friend go? I'm going to look around and kind of say, I'm underage, ma'am. And she's going to step to the side. And behind her, you're going to see a floating gray figure with a white face and two eye holes with one bright red eye 
floating between the two. Mm. And, and she's going to look at you and she's going to say, I'm going to ask you again. Where'd your spooky friend go? Okay, um, Celeste, what is... Oh, God damn it! I forget your girl's name. Shit. It's Annie. Okay. <laughs> okay, Annie, good. are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay, Annie? Uh. (laughs) i am so fucked (laughs) (laughs) oh jeez rolling two ones on the most probably important roll Mm. (laughs) this is the moment when i realize that i left my tie undone You've got you've got two weeks to think about how you're going to talk your way out of this one. I, I'm not. I'm going to poker jail. <laughs> Good luck, you guys. Week one, assaulting the Jenny. <laughs> well, I don't have my fucking Pokemon, so that's not going to happen. <laughs> fucking Scraggy comes out of nowhere and just headbutts her in the head. <laughs> fucking run! <laughs> just text XOS. Uh...